0: Welcome into the Grace Point Daily Podcast. My name is Jeremiah Johnson. We're already back at another verse-by-verse edition with Rick Maynard. We're going to dive into it, but we're excited. We're here on the Grace Point Daily Podcast. We exist to bring you daily encouragement for your daily walk with Christ. Like, share, subscribe, listen to the Grace Point Daily Podcast. Uh, Let someone else know about it. I mean, I was uh, Rick Maynard, I was scouring the podcast stations the other day, and I didn't find, I was looking in the Christianity section, I didn't find a ton of verse-by-verse. I specifically looked for that, Uh so...
1: Well, we are there unique.
0: <laughs> there was a couple, but I'm just saying there's not a lot out there. So we want to encourage you to get into the Word of God, going through it, and so we go through it verse by verse. Rick Maynard, before we dive into the Word, man, we got to celebrate our Super Bowl champion, Kansas City Chiefs here in Missouri. That
1: was amazing. <laughs> I actually, when they got behind, I was, walked back to the back of the room, and I was like, right. yep, that's it. <laughs> game's over. It's all over. I, I really, I didn't think, I mean, I'd watched the two previous mm-hmm. games where they came back, but I thought... No, yeah. they're, they're not going to be able to do it this time. Super
0: know? Super Bowl is a different beast, so you you know mm-hmm. different type of feel of the game. And I as well, I I was so excited because we we've been talking at our church that we found this video of a former prophet that said the next time the right. Kansas City Chiefs win the Super Bowl, there's going to be a revival. So we were kind of like, I was like, oh man, there's not going to be a revival, and yeah. I was a little bit bummed out. But then that Mahomes magic happened. Yes,
1: yes. Well, I uh, I told somebody the other night, obviously in in uh, being. Uh, facetious, as Brother Graham would always say, but um, I said, Oh no, now we're going to have revival. <laughs> and, you know, revival is very exhausting. And, you know, it's like, Oh, I wish they hadn't won. <laughs> but that is not the
0: truth. So. All right. Well, we're going to get into the word. First Kings chapter 8. I had loads and loads of fans, Rick Maynard, dial into the show, message me and say, You guys didn't even read the Bible last
1: verse by verse. Oh, well, we kind of didn't. So, so. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so we're going to get back into it again. We're just going verse by verse. First Kings, we're at the end of chapter 8, and hopefully we'll get to chapter 9 or something. Whatever okay. Rick Maynard tells us to do. Whatever I do tell you.
1: I am the boss of this show. Yes. So eight sixty two and 63. Still talking about King Solomon here. It says, Then the king and all Israel with him offered sacrifices before the Lord. Solomon offered a sacrifice of fellowship offerings to the Lord, 22,000 cattle and 120,000 sheep and goats. So the king and all the Israelites dedicated the temple of the Lord. So this is all about uh, dedication, uh, sacrifice for the dedication. And I just, uh, you know, I can't fathom those numbers. I mean, I've never been a a farmer, (laughs) you know, to raise cattle and sheep and all those kind of things. But I mean, can you imagine uh, 22,000 cattle and hundred and twenty thousand <laughs> sheep and goats, and this is all done in a fairly—we don't know the time frame, but a fairly quick time frame. It's not yeah. like uh, you know, in two weeks they were able to do this. And so, you know, you you think about it, just uh, practically, uh, this was a seven-day celebration. So maybe over that seven-day time period, but still, that's a lot of that's a lot of cattle and a lot of sheep for seven days. So. Um, this is what I call Holy Ghost barbecue right yes here. massive yes. holy Ghost barbecue yeah well I see
0: but, uh, we always said would you like to li- you're like you'd like to live in the Old Testament I would not but in this particular scenario yeah. I would have liked to <laughs> been there for that barbecue I don't I don't <laughs> see
1: anything about wings here though yeah. so I'm not sure that's going to work out for you so um but they it, you know it took a long time some people you know there's all kinds of theories about things you know God did send fire from heaven at different times to burn up sacrifices. You know, they say that could be a possibility here. That uh, that they laid everything out, Um but the the altar itself was was uh, twelve hundred ninety six square feet. So that's what they had to lay everything out on. So obviously, you could. I didn't calculate that out as you know. It, well, it's a pro. It's approximately four hundred thirty two cattle at one time that would fit there, and wow. six hundred and forty eight sheep at one time that would fit there. So. <laughs> I don't know how you could build a fire hot enough to, yeah, you know, to completely turn all that into ashes, so you could pile up the next bunch. And uh, you know, I that's a part of the Old Testament I wouldn't like. It's Like, <laughs> man, oh man, that. And again, that's their way of life. They're mm-hmm. not. We're looking at that like we haven't ever seen anything like that. Uh, they're looking at it like it's just a bigger. Incident or a bigger celebration than what they've seen before because there's always been uh, the animal sacrifice. But, um, and then there's some people who say that it wasn't just the altar, that the entire courtyard was used for this uh, one incident. Uh, and, and in the temple, the, uh, the New Testament temple, when they were offering sacrifices, it was a little more structured. The temple had drainage. That ran. That's why they talk about the Kidron Valley, you know, mm-hmm. the Valley of Gehenna, you know, that kind of stuff. We, uh, because all that blood from all those sacrifices, it ran into a drainage system that drained into that valley. And so I can't imagine, you know, the the smell. Right. <laughs> I <yeah>. mean, of, <laughs> of all of that, and how you could think that 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 has something to do with a God thing. That's something so gross, uh, but that was what God said to do you know, for whatever Mm -hmm. reason. So, uh, in, uh, and Josephus talks about when you talk about these great numbers, uh, he talks about, uh, and I haven't studied all this, but Cestius, the Roman governor sacrificed 256,500 lambs in two hours. So, you know, and the thing is, it wasn't just, in other words, it wasn't Solomon that was out there that had to cut the throat on every one of them. And, I mean, you know, they had a a crew of priests and uh, people that could do a lot of that stuff. So it wasn't always about, um, you know, about him being able to do all this stuff himself. So, when I lay
0: out my anti-vegetarian argument, this is one verse that I go to.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they believed in the meat there. So, okay, verse 64, "...on that same day the king consecrated the middle part of the courtyard in front of the temple of the Lord." And there he offered burnt offerings, grain offerings, and the fat of the fellowship offerings, because the bronze altar before the Lord was too small to hold the burnt offerings, the grain offerings and the fat of the fellowship offerings. So, um, you know, some of these where it talks about, I mean, if you read the commands um, of how to sacrifice, it talks about placing those on the altar. And, you know, there was a system to all that too. Everybody wasn't just left to their own. Well, this is the way I think it should be done. but uh, the the issue and one of the questions that comes up with some of these things, in other words, if I'm not that much of a scholar, but if somebody was reading this, who was a real scholar, and they said, "Wait a minute, this is not what God he didn't say to do it in the courthouse. He said it had to be on the altar. and but there were laws even then, there were laws or regulations that were um, exempt under certain circumstances. So, you know it it would be i don't know of a good example for that for us today but god having a law but that law doesn't always well thou shalt not kill is one of the laws but then you can say but that doesn't apply to war that doesn't apply to self defense mm-hmm. you know you can't always go by the letter of the law you know they have that thing called the letter of the law and the spirit of the law you know yes, why sir. was the law <laughs> written, what was the purpose of that law. And so um, in, in most of these things, circumstance dictated some of the uh, laws, the rules, regulations, whatever you want to call it. But, and I'm not going to take a big uh, like we did last week where we spent basically the whole thing on Rosh Hashanah and Ryam Kippur and all those kind of things. But, um, but there was a thing when you talk about uh, the issue of the law, and what you can do with the law, what's allowed, what's not allowed, you know, we go to when we when we talk about the law, we talk about Ten Commandments. I mm-hmm. mean, that's kind of yeah. the law right. that we know. And so but there was a, a thing called fencing the law. And with mainly with the Pharisees is where it kind of started with fencing the law, but it actually goes all the way back to Adam and Eve. And so fencing the law had to do with um, when you have a command and it's pretty, we think it's pretty straightforward. Now, thou shalt not commit adultery is straightforward. There are no except under this circumstance it's okay or under this, cir- you know, there's nothing like that. But under the, the uh, issue of thou shalt not kill, and the law, actually, we've changed it to thou shalt not kill, but it actually, the original said thou shalt not murder. Okay. So that well, does and change And there was it. the
0: Old Testament where they talk about if you accidentally killed someone, right? right? I mean, there there's some of those right. specifically I mean, the Bible talked about.
1: Yeah, there was exceptions to the rules, and so this fencing the law, some of it was, hmm. was good, but it, it started in the garden with Adam and Eve because when the devil said, did God really say, That you can't eat of the tree. And Eve's response was, He said, We can't eat of the tree or even touch it. God didn't say not to touch it, He said not to eat of Mm. it. You know, who's to say you couldn't walk by and, you know, just see what that thing felt like or whatever? But she added to what God said. She was the very first one to fence the law, to say, God said more in her case. She was saying God said more than he really said. Most of the time we make it God said less than, you know, because we're trying to figure out a way to allow us mm-hmm. to do something. But what, what would happen, and so the good part of it is that someone would say, again, uh, using the thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not kill. So what does that mean? So somebody would come along and say, well, what about this circumstance? And so there would have to be a decision made on that. It's made by the the rabbis of the day. But those rabbis then would take that and say, okay, under that command, these are the things that are allowed. You can kill in self-defense. You can kill. And, and not all of it was just their opinion. They would pull from the law. You know, if you go back into Deuteronomy and into Leviticus with the law and all those kind of things, they would pull from all that and say, okay, here are the exceptions or the additions, I guess, to that command. So it's like a sub. Uh, you know, if you were outlining, it would be one A and one B or mm-hmm. whatever. These are the things that are allowed. And so, what that has turned into, then, if and I don't, I, I've got a copy of them someplace. Obviously, we're not going over all of them, but there, it turned into 613 commands. And so, those 613 commands. Are based on the Ten Commandments, which is based out of the law in Deuteronomy, Leviticus. So, so there's a legitimate backing for all that. They didn't just have to say, "Well, we believe as the rabbis of Jerusalem that, you know, this would be allowed or that would be allowed." They went back and said, "Well, what does the word say about that particular thing?" And so, uh, having sexual relations, you know, adultery, they had to. to address things Somebody well, is this adultery or does this mean it's adultery? I had a friend of mine one time that said, well, it's not adultery if your wife knows about it. His His take on adultery mm-hmm. was a secretive affair that you would have with someone. So if you had what you would call an open marriage
0: mm-hmm.
1: and a husband and wife who said, it's okay with me if you sleep with somebody, and he says, it's okay if, with me if you sleep with somebody... Well, then he said, "That's not adultery," and I said, "Well, that's not the <laughs> biblical." Well, yeah, but that's that's not adultery. He, I mean, it was just adamant, and so so anyway, you couldn't just make up rules yeah. yourself. It all went back to the law and the detail of the law that would say uh, what you could do, and so so the the there's a thing called the Pharisees mandate, and what the Pharisees said, Moses received the law from Sinai, so. You know, we got those Ten Commandments. And he committed it to Joshua, and Joshua to the elders, and the elders to the prophets, and the prophets committed it to the men of, great synod, of the great synagogue. So in other words, it was passed down from all of these people and allowed to come up with these 613 commands that they have. And they haven't added to those. So it's not like, okay, we live in a different culture today, so... Um, we have to ask different questions. So now there's 650 or 700. or So they're not constantly adding to that. They came to a point where they said, this tells us everything that we need to know about the commands of God. And there's 613. Mm-hmm. So it gets into the more detail. And, and so if you were a good Jewish person, I don't know that you would have all 613 committed to memory. Yeah but you would at least be able to reference some things and say, well, this is we, we can't do that. This is not allowed. And they, they had three things that says, be delivered in judgment, raise up many disciples. Those are good things. And then it said to make offense around the law. That, that was the duty of those who that, the law was passed down to. And so, uh, this, and, and again, we won't belabor it here because we've talked about it before, but the issue of the Sabbath was, uh, there was there were seven clashes in the New Testament about the commandments that, were, that, that talked about the Sabbath. Well, what about this on the Sabbath, and what about that on the Sabbath? And we've talked about it here. Mm-hmm. I don't really know. If somebody says, are we supposed to mm-hmm. celebrate the Sabbath more than what we do, I don't know. You know, the Sunday is not really the Sabbath. I mean, yeah. Saturday is the Sabbath. And, you know, with these commands, I mean, I don't work all the time on Saturday, but sometimes I work mm-hmm. on Saturday. <laughs> yeah. And so, am I in violation? Am I not in violation because I'm not Jewish? So that doesn't apply to me. I'm, and I've honestly, I've never found a clear answer to that. Uh-huh. I've asked that question, you know, how you can just go to Facebook or not Facebook, but Google or whatever and say, you know, are we today required to keep the laws of the Sabbath? Mm-hmm. You'll get all kinds of responses to that. About. <laughs> well, I think
0: of we're in that season, political season. We have, uh, you know, a somewhat modern document, the Constitution, uh-huh. uh, and there's a lot of different takes on that. Yeah, yeah. We saw that
1: uh, in these last couple of days. We've seen quite yep. a bit of that. So, um, and there's just on the Sabbath itself, there's 39 different commandments that just have to do with the Sabbath. So, uh, again, when those people said, "What can we do? What can we not do? What about this?" And it's not always about you know some people just we think when people are asking questions they're trying to get out of something, yeah, so is this okay? Can I get away with this and still go to heaven? You know that, but I really think it was more about um we want to know how to obey God, so we need to know is in other words, we're thinking about doing this thing mm-hmm. is is that allowed can we yeah, can we do that, and God still be pleased with it, or are we in Mm -hmm. violation of the sabbath
0: well and something i know in my christianity my following jesus i remember having a moment i think back when i was youth pastor but you think about you know i am in assemblies of god ordained minister we think of there's different pentecostal movements there's evangelical churches i remember him being like who's right man like who's right maybe maybe i'm wrong maybe Mm -hmm. and really having that discussion with the lord like, you know, Jesus, I, I, I want to be right with you. And I, you know, I mean, I kind of came to that conclusion of God's really looking at the heart, obviously right. is, is my heart right with him is it longing for him because, you know, we can we can get bogged down in religious minutia. Right. I spent right. time with a family member this weekend that doesn't, you know, to my understanding, doesn't really value Christ on a daily basis right. in terms of living action words, mm-hmm. but yet you know, talking to that individual about one of their kids. Well, no, they they've gone through all the Catholic Catholic uh, uh, motions and mm-hmm. and they're Catholic. And and again, not that I'm bashing the Catholic Church, but right. well, why is he doing that? Is it is it springing forth from a desire to know Christ, right. to have a relationship with Him, to to walk with Him? You know, and that that's the priority, and that that's the priority I put in my own life, but yet in my children as well. You know, they can be they don't have to be as, soon as God mm-hmm. uh, for the rest of their life. I mean. Right they're probably going to be because they're they're getting their credentialing and stuff like that but they don't have to be they, right. but i do want them to follow jesus and i want them to know jesus and have a longing to please and to honor him so sometimes it's complicated but yet sometimes it's simple
1: i think if people really studied the word like we should and i, I include myself you know i'm i may study more than someone else but i may study a whole lot less than someone else you know mm-hmm. but i i've always said you know what makes me more right than someone else, and I've asked the question: How many people do you know who have changed religions? Yeah, right. There, there are very <laughs> few, and I think yeah. the fault in that. I mean, I I think it's great. I mean, I've been part of the Assembly of God my whole life, and I've said, "Hey, if I you know if I needed to go to the Baptist or the Methodist or whatever, <laughs> you know, so what? I mean, yeah. it's not." But you know, I'm kind of—I call myself a lifer, you know—in the Assemblies of God. Well, but I, I've asked myself, I've worried about it sometimes. It's like, do I real—is that because I truly believe, or is it just because it's what I've always done? Yeah. And so, if people were really studying, there would probably be a little more swaying between, you know, maybe some of the Baptists that yeah. came here and some of us <laughs> that went to the Baptist and. You know, and I've always said about that, the the Baptist people didn't come up with their doctrine off the top of their head. I mean, mm-hmm. their doctrine and what they believe is based on what they think the Scripture says. Yeah, and ours is based on what we think, think the Scripture that, yeah, says. Exactly. I mean, every denomination, they didn't just come up. We act like we're the only ones who are yeah. <laughs> biblical really process the word. Yeah, right. and everybody else <laughs> just made up their religion.
0: Yeah, and so. And I was talking to a guy this this last weekend. I happened to go into a, a mini mart. It's called the mini mart in my hometown, mm-hmm. and talk to a high school's friend's dad, uh, whose wife had died. And he just, I, I really wasn't prepared for it in one sense, but mm-hmm. he began unloading questions on me regarding right. eternity, his wife's eternity, right. and you know, I just had to be like, well, l- let's think about that in context of what the Bible says, mm-hmm. um, because he was saying, you know, certain churches, certain people have said this, that, and the other. And right. so some questions I was like, well, I haven't been there before. Mm-hmm. I haven't been to heaven yet. Right. <laughs> uh, right. So I, I can't, I can't tell you certain things, but I can just give you reflections of, of potentially things that the Bible have said and some things that you're bringing up that I I haven't read in the Bible, mm-hmm. but I'd encourage you to to check that out more. Right. Right.
1: Well, I'm not going to, we'll, we'll move on from the, the issue of the law and you
0: can never go wrong with reading the word. That's for that's sure. For sure. And getting
1: into that. Yeah. Well, let me, this is, uh, I copied this off, but I've got it somewhere else too, I'm sure. But let me just, uh, there's 39 categories of Sabbath work that are prohibited by the law. Now, we're not going to go into every one of these, but I find it interesting that the Sabbath is, there are more laws about what to do and not to do on the Sabbath than any of the other laws. Hmm. And, And 39 different, and so it has to do with. Carrying, burning, extinguishing, finishing, writing, erasing, cooking, washing, sewing, tearing, knotting, untying, shaping, plowing, planting, reaping, harvesting, threshing, winnowing. Uh, I mean, all of these things. And and then each one of those, that's the list. But each one of those, you could go there and it would tell you Mm -hmm. what that means, what you can do under that category. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, you know, I I tell this story uh, when I was in Israel and those who if you're listening to me if you've heard me before I've told this story but um when you get on the elevator there there is a sabbath elevator in the motel which operates on its own it stops on every floor the doors open and shut because on the sabbath a Jew is not supposed to push the button on the elevator because that's called kindling a fire mm-hmm. because it's electrical okay and so That in our modern, I mean, back then it had (laughs) to do with lighting a fire and cooking and all that stuff at home. But in our time, they have brought it down. That's why they don't drive a car. When you turn the car, it's a spark that ignites to start Mm -hmm. the car. They don't drive a car on the Sabbath. Most good Jewish people find a home close to the synagogue that they can walk to church. So... Uh, you know, and I thought, I, I know some of it, it gets really outlandish, uh-huh. <laughs> but but then I worry sometimes that I've gone the other direction yeah, the opposite, where yeah. I'm not as, uh, you know, faithful as I should be to do the little things right. But uh, but anyway, um, that has to do with the fencing the law, all the commands and stuff, and you can, uh, obviously, if you're interested in those commands, you can look them all up, but, um Eight sixty-five. So Solomon Solomon observed the festival at that time, and all Israel with him, a vast assembly, people from Lebo Lebo, Hamath to the Wadi in Egypt. They celebrated it before the Lord our God for seven days and seven days more, fourteen in all. Seven. So that's seven days before the Feast of Tabernacles and seven days after. Uh, And it talks about uh, uh, from all the people, a vast assembly. And I think about that during, um, you know, times when we call a citywide prayer, things like that, we just don't get that kind of response Mm -hmm. anymore. And I've been guilty. I'm not going to preach at anybody else. I've been guilty of not being there when, you know, when they do something community wide. But those things are not very well attended. Yeah. You know, churches do not. And I don't know that it has to do with being against the other church or is it just, but people feel like it's a night off mm-hmm. if we're having a community service, then <laughs> we're not having church that night. So it's a night off. If, if we have a community service here at our church, it's going to be better attended by our people mm-hmm. than if we have a community service <laughs> at one of the other churches. And it's, it's, it is kind of a sad right thing yep. that Christians don't come together for a cause. Uh, like, like they did back, I mean, those people gathered, when they had those feasts and things, they gathered from all over the, I mean, it was like they had to be there, and I think they wanted to be there. I don't think it was strictly yeah. because well, it was Well, a law. good example
0: in our community here locally, we have this thing called the Marian Days, and it's for Vietnamese right. people, and it's their, and there's thousands of people that right. gather for that under mm-hmm. the umbrella of... That people group, that religion, that right. religious activity—you uh, know—how often do we do that? I mean, I guess, I guess we do. I mean, I went to uh, under the fellowship, and again, this is not a Sims of God podcast, but right. the Sims of God has a national convention right. where thousands gathered. So, I guess that that could be an example,
1: but right. but probably not nearly as many as show up out here, and and I bet they're not camping in tents and yeah. I, I mean, right. you talk about a sacrifice. Mm-hmm. Those People are giving up their vacations and whether you believe in their cause or not, they believe in their cause. Yeah you know, they absolutely. kind of put us to shame just a little bit. but um, uh, So any, anyway, this whole fasting or this whole feast, we think of a feast of tabernacles and all those kind of things, but it was really a more of a time of uh, fasting. and we talked about this a little bit, I don't know for the last week or week before, but anyway, we talked about fasting and how. Uh, they considered fasting part of the celebration instead of fasting being... A, we th- we really think of fasting almost like a time of mourning, mm-hmm. not a time of celebration. Yeah, And <laughs> so for them, it was like a privilege to fast during those times. But 866, on the following day, he sent the people away. They blessed the king, and they went home joyful and glad in heart for all the good things the Lord had done for his servant David, David and his people Israel, and I, you know, we've talked about this many times. I, I believe the Old Testament king is our best example of the pastor, uh, because we don't have Old Testament pastors per se. We had rabbis and priests and those kind of things, but uh, you know, and I know, and you do this. We talked about it before about blessing the people as they go. You do that almost every week. You know, I bless you people as you go and those kind of things. I, You know, we do that here. You do that here. But I, I love this because it says, on the following day he sent the people away, but it says they blessed the king and, and then went home joyful and glad in heart for all the things the Lord had done mm-hmm. for his servant David and for the people of Israel. Wouldn't that be, I mean, that should be the way we, leave the church you know I should leave here not well you know pastor didn't um, he he forgot to bless us as we left today <laughs> why are we not leaving blessing our pastor why don't we you know go out the doors saying bless our pastor for all that God has done through him and 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 then our benefit is if God moves if God is blessing you, and they say that here. it's not thank you that Solomon is such a great man, you know, but thank you God, for Solomon. we bless Solomon for all that he that you've done for him. Mm-hmm. And then what does that do? It comes to the people Israel. So I'm saying, Lord, bless my pastor mm-hmm. when I leave and walk to the parking lot, bless my pastor for being used of you and, then the benefit to that is all the people are blessed yeah. too. <laughs> and, but we get it out we get it out of order. The pastor yeah. we talked about it. Well, I don't feel <laughs> I don't feel fed. I didn't get fed today. And we use those words, but you know, bless the pastor says they were joyful, um, they were glad for all the good things. Well, what were the good things? The fulfillment of the promises, for his leadership, for his prayers over them. It doesn't say all these things right there, but those are the things that Solomon has done. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's prayed for them, he's blessed them, he's had, had godly leadership, he's he's uh, provided food for the feast from uh, the the uh, sacrifices that have been made, and so and I, I just kind of wrote, you know, what really happens mm-hmm. when we leave the church sometimes, yeah. <laughs> and it's uh, you know, and again, I, I'm not. Uh, I've been guilty of some of these things too, but you know, we leave the church and man, that sermon was boring or that <laughs> sermon was too long, or that sermon wasn't relevant to me, or the music was too loud or the music wasn't loud enough, or we had to stand up too long or he didn't have a stand up, or you know there there's too many jokes or he was too serious yeah <laughs> you know, I mean, it's just why can't we leave? the church and just claim the blessings of god over what just happened there yeah but instead we you know we leave and it didn't quite suit us i i get it that sometimes the sermon is not at that moment is not relevant to me yeah (laughs) you know that sermon about uh salvation i'm already saved yeah it so it's not relevant to me in that sense but maybe it makes me appreciate the salvation more than i want to talk to somebody else about salvation so mm-hmm. but sometimes we walk out like well that you know he preached on tithing yeah. today well i already tithe so i didn't need right. that <laughs> sermon that he preached today so you know we can we can pick things apart but i just i love that idea there here that he sent them away and it doesn't say he sent them away and i know at times it does say he blessed the people but I yeah. just love this verse here because it says... I have a great
0: story. A good friend of mine in back in Utah, a uh, Filipino pastor, not a, F- a Filipino church, but anyway, uh, we were at a pastor's meeting, prayer time, and we were sharing different things. And he was talking about how and it's not necessarily a mega church, probably, probably medium sized church, if you will. But they had really gone through a time of being debt free and, and experienced some just good practical mm-hmm. things and some spiritual things in life, their church. And we're kind of like, well, man, what's, what'd you do? And it's very interesting. He told, he said, we got to this place because I challenged the church to start blessing their pastor more. Mm-hmm. He said, I challenged him to start to pay, to pay me more, mm-hmm. to bless me more. And when they blessed me, god bless the church right and he and you right. know and he's he's a real kind of this guy was a real humble mm-hmm. uh low-key kind of guy you know he, it wasn't like prosperity preaching you know he wasn't sharing this to to gloat he literally you know because we were all blown away mm-hmm. that he he's like yeah I, I told the church that if you will start blessing me then god will bless you right it happened well
1: they uh and we
0: all we all asked him to come preach at our church <laughs> yeah <laughs>
1: One of the, one of the uh, sermons I've heard on tithing, and, and I'd never really thought about it, because it says, will a man rob God? You know, and, and then they said, well, how have we robbed God? And it says in tithes and offerings. And his take on that, because it's like, well, how do you rob God? How do you rob somebody of God already owns everything, God mm-hmm. created everything? How am I robbing God? And they made the statement that we rob God of the opportunity to bless us. Because with tithing, with giving, comes blessing. And if we don't do it, God wants to bless us. But because we're not obedient, he can't. Because some things come, some blessings come as a result of what we've done, of Mm -hmm. our obedience. And so it's saying a man robs God of the opportunity to bless me. Now, isn't that, that changes your perspective there about giving (laughs) and and the problem with blessing i know we're about out of time but the problem with with blessing is if a pastor says you all should bless me more our immediate thought is money <laughs> yeah oh yep. he's asking me to give him money mm-hmm. and that that can be a part of it i mean this guy was talking about that yep, being part yeah. of it but but it's also a blessing in in the fact that you know if pastor was a great service pastor was a great message pastor it was you know i'm, I'm blessing you by saying not that um not to build your ego. Mm-hmm. Wow, I must be a good preacher because people tell me I'm a good preacher. It's not about that, but being blessed to say that that meant something to me today, mm-hmm. that, that type of blessing. And so anyway, I, I think our lesson today would be to, to learn maybe to bless as we go and not be looking at, you know, that was really good, but <laughs> it was lawful cold in the sanctuary today yeah. or, you know, those kind of things. So anyway, we better wrap it up here.
0: Them. Well, Rick Maynard, you should probably teach the Bible in heaven because you'll have for all of eternity to go through it. So right, right. you really like 1 Kings chapter right now. Yeah. Taking us a yeah. while to dive through but it's good. It's good to you know, really biblical bibble, biblical studies <laughs> requires us to look at some of these things contextually, right. which a lot of believers don't do. So I hope you guys are taking this in, some of this Jewish stuff. It, it matters. It helps us really open up and see the scripture for what it is. So thanks for listening to the Grace One Daily Podcast. Continue to, you can uh, if go to Anchor hit the support button. You can always message us, send us an email, whatever you want to do, a message. We'd really appreciate that. Thanks for listening, guys. We'll talk to you next time.